Hey guys, welcome to Who Day Talk. Raiden Jay here. Another episode. We're gonna talk about some the Bengals Steelers game, but mainly talk about head coaching candidates. Yeah. So um, today, guys, we got. I probably have twelve candidates listed out right now. Got some notes on them, and we're kind of just gonna go down the list a little bit. Talk about some uh, possible head coaching candidates, possible offensive coordinator candidates coordinator candidates um let's let's start off with those because that's probably what everyone cares about right now then we can move on to the game later um first up i would like to talk about eric the um he's one of my favorite candidates for the head coaching job just because he's been around andy reed he's been around that success and i know he hasn't called the plays but i still think he'd be really intriguing and i I tend to think in the long run, an offensive coordinator is going to end up making those play calls anyway. And it's going to be hard to, for a co- guy who's never coached or had a head coaching job before, it's going to be hard for him to balance both the head coaching responsibilities and play calling responsibilities effectively. So with that being said, I don't think it's a huge issue that he doesn't really call the plays in Kansas City. I think it's more of the atmosphere of being around it and knowing how to get it done if it needs to be done. And if he has to do it, he can and he can instill what he believes and what he thinks should be done to the new offensive coordinator. Yep, completely agree. Right now he's number one on my wish list. And also something you know, he was the running back for the Bengals for four years yeah. in the 90s, so he has that connection. Yes, he does have a Bengals connection. And he had a few stints. Had, he was two years offensive coordinator at Colorado. Then he went – from Colorado, he went to the Kansas City Chiefs running back coach during 2013, and he was recently promoted to the offensive coordinator job uh, this past season. So, I mean, it's obvious he he has been around success for a while. He, it's not like he's new to the Kansas City Chiefs team. He's been around Andy Reid for quite some time, and you know, I think it'd be a good hire. And also, if we were to go into a new quarterback direction, I would trust him to develop a guy like Haskins or he, a guy who could work around Greer or Daniel Jones. Yeah, um, definitely. So what is what are some uh, candidates you'd like for head coaching? Uh, somebody who I really like and the Bengals have requested an interview with is Zach Taylor, the quarterback coach out of, for the Rams. Mm. I, I like him. He's risky. He doesn't have a lot of experience. He was the offensive coordinator for – UC 2016. He's very young, 35. When I hear he's very creative, and he's not number one on my list. That just said belongs to being me, but I think I think I like offensive coordinator. I would, but also he's a bit of a risk. But I'm fine taking it, especially when we look at some of the in-house candidates we're interviewing. He's somebody who I would definitely trust to put a new quarterback under, someone who I believe could scheme a really good offense, but the lack of experience does kind of scare me. Yeah, I don't think I'd have him as a head coach, but I definitely do like him as an offensive coordinator. And they're also interviewing um, – oh, gosh, what, is, what is his name? Shane Waldron, yes. Uh, he's their tight ends coach and their passing game coordinator. So I wonder if Zach Taylor is more involved in that or if – Shane Waldron is, and that's what they're going to probably try and find out during the interview, and that's probably why they requested to interview both of them. So I would like either of those guys as an offensive coordinator. I'm not sure that I would call them head coaching material yet, but, I mean, they're definitely guys with big potential. Um, 
So I'd I'd check those two guys under the offensive coordinator track or well list. But um, another guy I thought was intriguing was Peter Carmichael Jr., the Saints' offensive coordinator, and he's been the Saints' offensive coordinator for ten years now, ten nine years, um, something like that. And he's consistently, I mean, he's very good. I mean, he's been top four in his passing offense seven times out of not 10 years. Um, no, sorry, that, I'm looking at the wrong column. In yards, he's been top five in nine out of 10 years in passing yards. Um, in rushing offense, he has been not as good in yards per attempt. He's ranked seventh in 20, 2009, 19th in 2010. Um Fourth in 2011, 13th in 2012, then 26, 9, 27, 13. In 2017, he was ranked second, and this year he was ranked 17th. Well, that team was in yards per attempt. So he's definitely more of a passing guy. He's going to like the passing game a lot more, and that that's mainly due to him having a top-five quarterback at his disposal. But um, he definitely – I like him a lot. Uh, I, I was he, – he was brought to my attention by a friend on Twitter – and I really didn't know who he was because I I've always thought that Sean Payton was the guy, in uh, sorry New Orleans, and he was just. But I mean, Peter Carmichael has been a big part of that success, and I I believe he's been calling a lot of the plays lately. Um, I'm not completely certain on that, but a guy that's been there for ten years is going to be calling plays. I agree. Somebody who I would like to at least the Bengals is requesting it interview for I don't know if any team's requesting an interview for him yet though. No, they have not yet. And he's been coaching for a while. He's been coaching since like eighty four. I mean he was at New Hampshire College and then he was at Louisiana Tech for a while. San Diego Chargers. Oh he ooh, did he follow when was Drew Brees drafted? Two thousand I forget. Early two thousands. Early 2000s, well, I, I was just saying that because I noticed that his first four years, um, uh, Peter Carmichael was with the Chargers. So, actually, well, his first four years as an offensive assistant, then he moved to quarterback's coach in 2006 with the Saints. But I thought that was definitely interesting. Um, anyway, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, um, another guy the Bengals have requested an interview for is Josh McDaniels. I don't like this at all. Um, one – I don't think he's going to get the respect of the players. I don't think he's just, I mean, we all know the story last year from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he agreed to terms with the Colts. He didn't sign the contract yet. No, but he said deal. And the Colts went out and had their opening press conference, announced him as the head coach. Josh McDaniels hired assistants and he backed out. And then those assistants were out of jobs Colts were kind of stuck. They ended up hiring Frank Reich, who I thought was a great hire, but they're kind of stuck. I mean, Josh McDaniels kind of left them. They hung him out. He hung out. Ah, he hung them out to dry. So I don't think he's going to gain the respect, especially in the locker room like us, where they had the utmost respect for a guy like Marvin Lewis, who didn't, who didn't even perform. So I don't know. That's what I think about that. I don't. I don't really like it. He's a younger guy, yes, but I, I just don't like it. I like him as a coordinator, but the whole Colts thing last year just puts a bad taste in my mouth, gives me some questions. And he would never come here as a coordinator. Yeah, the only reason – I I forget where he's born, but he was born 
fairly close to Cincinnati. And it's also been said that Rob Kraft and the higher-up Patriots have a great amount of respect for the Bengals and the Brown family. So, I mean, there's that, but I don't think that means much. It doesn't mean much. I don't think either. Um, other than Josh McDaniels, I got four other candidates. How many you got? Uh, Five other candidates. I got – for candidates, I like – Two, but Cans in general, five. Yeah, me too. Okay. Uh, who's your first candidate? Uh, Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. He's somebody who I think is really underrated. You look at the Buccaneers, they're really not that good of a team they've been doing with a quarterback switch with James Winston and Ryan Fitzmagic all year. A very poor offensive line. Some good wide receivers, but they were one of the best offenses until Dirk Coder arrogantly took over the play calling to try and save his jobs. So, But when he, he was calling plays, the, the Buccaneers' offense was really good. They're really good yeah, off the coach, so I like him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's been the – he was the head coach of Southern Mississippi, and he went to – in 2016, he went to the Buccaneers as the offensive coordinator, and he's been there ever since. 52 years old. I mean, he's just – he, when he was calling plays, he was okay, but what worries me is they're rushing. And, I mean, 29th, 27th, and 31st in yards per attempt. And, yes, I know he's been pretty good as a passing guy, but, I mean, I think a lot of that is – I don't know. I don't know what that is. And I, the passing is intriguing. The passing game is intriguing, but the rushing offense is just kind of turning me off. I mean, we have Joe Mixon. I don't want him to try it. What, what worries me with these modern-day – with these modern-day head coaches is that a lot of them are abandoning the run game. And I just not not abandoning the run game, but they're just they're underutilizing their, their great running backs and their great offensive lines. And I know we don't have a great offensive line right now, but once we do get an offensive line, we're gonna still have we're gonna have a top three, top five rushing attack if we have the right guy calling the plays. And I'm not sure a guy like Todd Munkin could end up doing doing that. I mean I think I don't I don't underestimate his ability to call some great passing plays, have a great passing scheme. I, I don't I don't doubt that. It's just the running game that kind of worries me. All right, who's who's your next guy? My next guy is going to be Vic Fangio. Um, he's a defensive guy, the first defensive guy on my list. Uh, I was kind of I was kind of turned off by having a defensive-minded head coach at first. And it, I'm still not – I'm not sure I'm the biggest fan of it. And I think in order to do that, you'd have to have one stud of an offensive coordinator to do it. But at the same time, I, I don't really – it doesn't really bother me too much. I mean, if you can have a top three defense, I think it's, it's worth it. Unless you have a top three, top five defense, I think you have to have an offensive-minded head coach, in my opinion. But – um. Here's some stats on him. Uh, he's been since 1995. He's been a defensive coordinator. Uh, hasn't really changed from that with Carolina for four years, and Indianapolis for three years, then Houston for four years. Then he was, um, sorry, he's in the San Francisco 49ers for four or five years, I think, and then 2015, 2016. So he's been bouncing around a good amount. He hasn't really given, been given a chance as a head coach, mainly because, I mean, up until the Bears, he really hasn't been on any great defense. Um, he did take a little hiatus in between 2005 and 2011. He was jobless. 
So I thought that was interesting, but I I don't really know why that would be. But I mean, oh wait, no, he was a linebackers coach between 2005 and 2011. Uh so yeah, yeah, with the Ravens, that's right. Um, but I mean, he's part of the Matt Nagy. I mean, John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, John Fox. I mean, he's worked with a lot of guys, and I don't know. I recently his success has been great. Before then, it hasn't been all that great. But I mean, he's someone you have to at least interview, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure exactly want him just because of the defense and. I want it. I wonder how challenging it will be to build a premier defense. And something I'll kind of go into more detail. It's going to be really hard to attract a great head coach candidate here because Mike Brown is so difficult to work with. Stuff that these head coaches might want. Mike Brown just might tell them in an interview, like, I can't do that for you. There's a lot of head coach openings this year. I believe there's eight. We're up to eight right now. And so, I mean, chances are we're going to be stuck with one of the back-end guys. So that's when Vic Pangio might come into play. Or, I mean, I'd rather have the best defensive-minded head coach that's available than the fifth or sixth best offensive-minded head coach available. I will tell you that. Um, I would definitely rather have Vic Pangio than, like, a Freddie Kitchens or someone like that. But, I don't know. I I thought he was a good candidate to at least discuss a little bit. Uh, who's your next on your list? Oh, you just said him, Freddie Kitchen. Somebody, the Browns offensive coordinator after Todd Haley got fired. The Browns, after Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley left, the Browns really stepped up. I don't have the stats right now, but Baker Mayfield looked really good. They were doing a much better job utilizing Chubb. The passing game was a lot better, and not necessarily who I want the Bengals to take as head coach, but he's somebody who I'd want to interview. And I think he's somebody to keep an eye out. He's not – I don't think is ready to become head coach, but he's intriguing. Yes, I would tend to agree. He is also on my list. Um, that being said, I, you also just said another name that's on my list, Todd Haley as an offensive coordinator. I think this is a guy that he's – I don't – he's very underrated. He's a pretty big talker, has a personality, but – I mean, the success The success is obviously there. I mean, he's had two stints as a head coach. Or no, three stints as – one stint as a head coach, sorry. Um, I don't know what I'm thinking. But, I mean, he's had he's had some great rushing offenses. He had some great passing offenses. Uh, I mean, in the past five years, he's been top ten in uh, net yards per attempt uh, four times. I mean, he's, he's there passing-wise. And then rushing-wise, he has been – Okay, I mean, in the past five years, he's ranked 8th, 11th, 15th, 16th, and 25th in yards per attempt. Not great, but not terrible. And in this day and age, you need to be going towards a more passing-oriented offense. And he's a great candidate for an offensive coordinator job. I like like it a lot. I mean, he obviously didn't do all that great in uh, Kansas City, but, I mean, I think think he can be a good guy. I think he, he would be a good offensive coordinator, though. I'm going to kind of disagree there. I think his time is up. He was obviously about the Browns and the Steelers that had all the talent in the world, but I just feel like he tries to do too much, tries to be way too creative and just blows up in his face. 
very he has a personality but also a little too arrogant like with Cleveland he, him and Hugh Jackson were kind of having a war he would start he started Josh Gordon week one just on the first half just to piss off Hugh Jackson so I question his ability to get along with the other coaches and maybe give him an interview but I don't like him and he was 13th in that yard per attempt and this past season and also we got you have to remember he was starting Tyrod Taylor was a starting it wasn't he was he wasn't starting Baker Mayfield all year. He was fired pretty much before Baker Mayfield ever took the field. I don't think you can really judge him based on this year. And I mean, rushing offense wise, he was very good this year. He had the eleventh best rushing offense. So I I think he deserves a shot at least at least an interview. And especially if you're having a defensive minded head coach, and you're not able to attract any other offensive coordinators that would be worthy of that. Not. But, I mean, he could obviously take any job he can get. So, it's more about availability than anything else. Um, I got three more guys left. One guy I think we have to talk about is Bruce Arians. He was rumored to have interest in this job uh, a few months ago. Maybe it was like six months ago. I don't know. He's rumored to have interest in this job. And on my research, I found it interesting. Like, he's such an old guy, but he's only really been coaching since, like, I mean, in the NFL, at least, since, like, 1996. Well, okay, no, he's been a lot longer than that. 89, I guess. My bad. But, um, yeah, he's been he's been around for a while, I guess. Uh, he was, had a sense with Kansas City, Cleveland Browns, Steelers for a while. He's a Steelers offensive coordinator for, she's like, five years, six years. And then he was a wide receivers coach for another three. Um, obviously, he was the Arizona Cardinals head coach. In 2017, he retired, but there's rumors about him wanting to come back, possibly. So, I mean, I think he's a little overrated, personally. I mean, I think people are thinking he's this, he's this all-world head coach, and he was so great when he was in Arizona. And, yes, he was very good, but it just – I don't know. I think a lot of people make him out to be, like, Bill Belichick or, like, some elite head coach that's like always been great, and he really ha- hasn't always been great. Uh, and he had to, he had a few rushy, rough years in there, but that being said, I think he definitely deserves an interview. And I think if you can get him, he has to be one of your top three on the list. Somebody who I like, but I just don't see. Him coming to Cincinnati, I think if there was any interest, it's probably gone by now. Why would you say that? I don't know. Just the Bengals, see, the Bengals are a hard team to judge because it's again, it's all about Mike Brown. And you'd see in the interview, I think if Bruce Arians did come in, he would probably want to get his guy. And who knows what Mike Brown would be? And just it's not a big city for free agents. So, I would hope you maybe he is interested. I just there's better options out there. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not arguing with that. I think there would be better options. I just think you have to interview him. I mean, he's a good guy. But uh, last two on my list, I'll let you pick one first. Somebody who just names floating around, not somebody who I'm crazy about, is Mike Munchak. This shows offensive line. That would never. Never. Oh, I know. I just saw people were bringing his name up. A couple, I forget who, but teams are requesting the 
interview him. Uh, he's a guy who played in the league with the Houston Oilers. Uh, he was uh, he, he kind of played with them, coached for them. Dip, then he was hired by the Steelers. Uh, a lot of Bengal fans remember him for pulling out Reggie Nelson's hair during the 2015 wildcard game. He's too hated in the city for that to ever yeah. happen. It would not happen, but somebody who I think will get a head coaching job somewhere, not here. I'm more saying this to clear it up that there's no chance whatsoever we get him. He's one of those guys I would I would rather have him as my head coach and offensive coordinator. I don't think he – I'm not a big fan of having offensive line coaches as as my offensive coordinator. I, I think they're more head coaching material, like just go straight there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, again, I, I wouldn't like that. I don't think he would not gain the respect of anyone in that locker room. And that's what that's mostly what being a good head coach is, um, other than play calling and the obvious. But you got you have to have your locker room. Um I got two more. How many do you have left? Uh, the, those are the last of not in-house coordinators that I wanted to talk about. All right. Well, I got two more out of house. I got Greg Williams and Vance Joseph. Right. Greg Williams, I'm not too sure about him. I think he we, we could use him in the type of role that he was used originally in the Browns organization where they brought in a an offensive-minded head coach quotation marks with Hugh and he was a defensive coordinator. He handled all of that. I think he'd be a great defensive coordinator to have. I don't know if he's going to get any head coaching interest after this season. I don't really know with him. Um, he claims he got a lot of job offers. I'm not sure about that, but I mean, well, it is what it is, but I think he'd be a great hire as a defensive coordinator. And I would consider him as a head coach. I mean, he, it's not like he underperformed when he was taking over as a head coach. I mean, he played pretty well. But, um, yeah, uh, he's one guy and then another guy, kind of in-house, kind of not, Vance Joseph. I don't like it at all. I would I would not want to hire him, but I feel, like, I feel like I'm obligated to talk about him just because there's been a lot of rumors about him coming back. Um, no, no thanks. Um, not really, he's not really been productive at all as a coordinator or as a head coach. I mean, I don't really understand why you would consider, but um, – yeah. Mike Brown for you. Mike Brown for you. Uh, in-house candidates, who you got? Uh, the first one I'll talk about is none of them are good options. The first one I'll talk about is Darren Simmons out of all three of the in-house candidates, Hugh Jackson, Bill Lazor, Sims. I think he's the best. He's well-rounded. He's a little more loose from what I hear. He's more open to playing some of the younger guys. He's not as naive as Marvin. But I – just don't see him as a head coach. He's been special teams his whole career, no offense or defensive coordinating jobs. Uh, and the mo- he did step in for Marvin for a couple days a uh, couple years ago when Marvin missed a few days of training camp. But I just don't see him being qualified for the head coach. The reason I don't like that is because when you have a team and you have offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. If your team is successful, they're going to get hired away. And then you run into an issue of maybe having two new coordinators and a guy who really doesn't have experience with defenses or offenses. So then you're kind of just lost and you're hiring two new guys, possibly guys who have never been offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators before, to, to run an offense with your special teams coach, well, with your head coach that was a special teams coach, not really knowing 
how to scheme an offense, how to scheme a defense. And that, that's really worrisome to me. And that also, I mean, let's say that even they always hire already guys who've already been offensive coordinators, guys who've already been defense coordinators. Two issues with that. One, if they're hiring them, strong chance they got fired from somewhere. So that kind of limits their ceiling as a coordinator. And two, it would also limit their search for one because you can only hire people that have done it before because your head coach doesn't really know what he's doing. And I don't know. It, it just rubs me. That would rub me the wrong way completely. Then uh, Hugh Jackson. Uh, I don't even need to explain this. Three thirty-six and one. Browns had a lot better since Hugh left. The fact that Mike Brown's seriously considering him is laughable. Just shows you his intelligence of football. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree on that one. And the last one I'm going to go with is Bill Lazor. Uh, I I would tend to think he's the best of the three, just because. I mean, none of them are really good options. I mean, I don't know. I just think of the three, all all of them are kind of mediocre. We don't want Hugh because we know he's a failure. He's had, like, two separate stints as a head coach. He's failed in every one of them. Can't run a team. He's a liar, pathological liar. Can't get respect of anyone. Yeah, he, he has a media mouthpiece that he fills off everything to. He's, you can't trust him secrets like with top secrets or with free agent secrets. I mean, there's so many reasons why you couldn't hire him even as an offensive coordinator. It's just no. Um, so then Bill Lazor is better than him, obviously. And then you're going to have Darren Simmons, who doesn't really have an experience other than special teams coach. And that just leaves Bill Lazor kind of just by process of elimination, not really by him doing anything outstanding. Bill Lazor, I just – for me, I didn't have him as the best option just because I think he did a very poor job of managing the offense. He had trouble scheming with Ross and this probably more Marvin, but the best players were not out on – well, that is more Marvin as I say it. Can't really put that on Lazor. But we're looking – if we're looking for a young offensive creative coach, he, he's offense, but he's not creative. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um. But, yeah, I mean, those are the candidates we see for us as possibilities, guys. Um, other than that, let's talk about some, some of the game. There's not really much to talk about. It's kind of very iffy. I mean, the defense played pretty well. The offense didn't play that well. I mean, what did you think? I mean, yeah, the secondary, other than Kavari Russell, played great. William Jackson locked down. I didn't like that we were doing side corners, so – that kind of allowed Juju to do a little more. If we would have just kept William Jackson on him, that would have probably even held them more in check. Uh, the linebackers played pretty solid. Nick Vigil really struggled. He was pretty good in the run game, but he was awful in the pass game. He was often getting burned on just those checkdowns and missing the tackle or just letting him catch it, and he tackled him 15 yards downfield. So don't let Vigil's stats fool you. He did not play well, but – yeah, for us, the defense played very well, especially that this was a big game for the Steelers. Uh, obviously, Antonio Brown didn't play, and there's news that he requested a trade. or I don't know because there's a report about that California guy. He's not very reliable. Uh, he but, requested a trade. Yeah. I was not aware. hear that he was like – he threw a ball at Ben Roethlisberger or something like that, like on Wednesday or Thursday. And he skipped his walk through Saturday. He showed up Sunday expecting to play. They said, you're not playing. 
and they called it a knee injury when it really wasn't. Um, I mean, I guess it makes sense for for him to request a trade. I mean, apparently I heard George Kittle was um, recruiting him to the 49ers, which I think would be just absolutely outstanding. That would turn that team around so quickly, having A.B., George Kittle, who is the new tight end uh, receiving yards full season. Uh, him and Travis Kelsey broke the record in the same year, but Kittle had a few more yards than Kelsey. Uh, I mean, I love George Kittle. I'm, I'm just going to say that. Anyway, back on back on topic. Uh, I think that would just be great for them. I mean, A.B., George Kittle. I mean, they have Jarek McKinnon coming back, obviously. Jimmy Garoppolo. Mike Bougenchi is there at right tackle. He's up and coming. I mean, I, I just think it'd be great. They'd have a lot of stars on that team, and they'd have a very, very good core to build on. Yeah, for sure. That's some just the whole A-B drama. There's always some drama with the Steelers. That's kind of downfalled them. That's why I think Tomlin should have been fired. Steelers have all the talent in the world, but he lets the egos and drama get in the way. He doesn't properly discipline, and by the time he does, it's too late. So, yeah, I, I know he hasn't had a losing I, I definitely agree with that. They need to get a guy in there who's not going to take take the shit from the players. You can't have guys like A.B. acting like prima donnas. And I, I know wide receivers like to do that for some reason. I don't know why it's just that position. But I know I know you're a wide receiver. Sorry. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, I don't know, man. I, they, they definitely need to be more held, – held, hold their players accountable. I mean, A.B. has been guilty of it. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell was a drama queen and – it's just not very good. I mean, even Juju, I mean, he hasn't done anything yet. But, I mean, if you think about it, A.B. kind of started off like Juju. Like, he was a funny guy who was just making these jokes, running around, doing crazy stuff, like making fun of players, taunting, whatever. I mean, A.B. AB did all that too. So, I think you got to get a head coach that's going to lock that in. Uh, just, just get rid of all the drama. And I, I didn't even mention the biggest drama queen on that team, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, come on, man. He's just... He's a grown-ass man. He's acting like a five-year-old. He just needs to sit down and shut up. God. But he's, the, he's the first to throw blame. He's, he's, never first, on him. he's just such a terrible person. I mean, first he rapes, like, was it two girls on campus? And then and he, allegedly, whatever. But I, I hate that team so much. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I mean, just I want to say this about Juju. I know – I might sound biased, but the whole perfect thing last year, like, okay, you made the hit, whatever, but then when you start making money off it, selling shirts. Yeah, you know, that was How would you hate perfect? That's just too far. Like, I wasn't even mad about, like, taunting him over him because I get it. Like, perfect injured your teammate, whatever. Like, whether it was intentional or not, if someone did that to one of my teammates, I'd probably look – not look to hurt anyone, obviously, but, I mean, I'd be pissed off. And, like, if I got lucky and had a good hit on a bigger guy than me, sure, whatever. I'd be up, I'd be happy. I'd be pumped up. Be like, yeah, take that or whatever in the heat of the moment. But when you're when you're out of the play, I mean, you have to realize like you're both human beings. Like when you're not on the football field, it's you're different. You're different people. And I don't know. To me, it it was completely wrong of him to go profit off of it, sell shirts, post on Instagram. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna lie. The Instagram post with him like. Uh, standing over perfect with like all the Fortnite loot on the ground. That was pretty funny. Not gonna lie, but that was funny. But that it's was... just that small distraction stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that was really funny. I'll give it to him. That was pretty. Yeah, funny. that was really funny. I can't <laughs> deny that. That was pretty good. But yeah, I mean, 
it is what it is. Uh, Ravens obviously won anyway. So even though we lost to the Steelers, Steelers were kept out of the playoffs. So I mean, I I'm happy. That's the best case scenario for me. Yeah, and I think I know the Ravens beat the Chargers earlier this year. I think the Chargers will beat the Ravens this time around. One other just... thing we didn't talk about was one other thing we didn't talk about. Draft position. We pick 11th, yeah. guys. 11. Uh, there's going to be some good prospects there. I know you're. there's a couple you really like. Who are you looking at right now? Right now, I mean, I obviously have guys ahead of him. Uh, but right now, the most realistic option for me would be Yodney Kajusti, the offensive tackle out of West Virginia. Great run defender. He doesn't really have that many issues with his game. His feet can be a little slow at times. That's really the only issue I see with him, and it's not too bad at all. I think that's definitely fixable. I mean, he's super athletic. I mean, you don't really come across many athletic guys with slow feet. That kind of stays like that. I think they're going to get quicker. I think he's going to be. Some more unrealistic options, obviously, Ed Oliver, Jonah Williams. Uh, those are the two guys who I who I would take over Yodney Kajusti. But it's unlikely that, that they would be there at 11. Um, I obviously take guys like Quinn and Williams and stuff like that too, but I'm just assuming there's no way in hell they're going to be there by 11. But And then some guys after Yodney Kajusti I would like is Cody Ford, the offensive tackle. Um, and if I'm being honest, if Cody Ford, Yadni Kajusi, Jonah Williams at all, or all those guys are gone, I'm trading back. I'm sorry. Or you should have traded up or whatever. But I okay, I also forgot Dwayne Haskins, but I, I'm I'm not even sure I want him. But I don't know. I I don't think you can reach when you're this high up. I think you can get a lot for that number eleven pick. It's a team for a while and then next year you can go and get your quarterback and give him a team that's already well rounded and already set up for him. All right, for me, Ed Oliver is kind of unrealistic, but best case scenario, it's possible he could fall. The media is shitting on him. It's complete overreaction. People are questioning him. It's going to be one of those situations where he's going to go into the league and dominate, and people are going to be like, wow, we were wrong. And for yeah. me, I think Devin White is overrated. I, he's not as good as people say, but he's somebody I would still take at 11 just because the upside and getting new coaches. Maybe we find somebody who knows what they're doing with linebackers. And my list could change. I just want to see who the new coaching staff is. If we get a great offensive-minded coach, Kajusi might go up above White. And White's a risky pick. That's kind of what's holding me back. I don't he's think he's that risky of a pick. Like, that's the one thing I don't get about him because a lot of people think he has a really low floor. He's very raw, and he has a little bit of rawness to him, but he's not hes not nearly as raw as a lot of people think he is. I mean, he's a great player. I like him a lot, and I, I think he's a top 20 player. I just don't think he's worth that 11th, that 11th pick. I mean, he has he's not as good in cover as a lot of people think he is. He has that range, yes. He, he kind of he's, – he's a smarter Malik Jefferson, and he's not as smart as he needs to be. He's somewhere in if if Malik Jefferson has the intelligence of a three year old, I would say Devin White has the intelligence of like an eighteen an eighteen year old football player. Not there yet, not nearly at the NFL level, but he's not god awful. Like he could get by. Yeah, and I that's think- not even my main issue with him. My main issue with it is we already took Malik Jefferson, who is a similar player. You'd be giving up on a third round pick after one year. I don't. I'm not in the business of wasting third round picks. 
And another thing is, he's just it's no, it's a reach, and I, I'm not sure I like to reach when you pick that high. Somebody who I wouldn't necessarily call it a reach, in my opinion. And for me, my thing is, is him getting mentally ready for, for the NFL, going the scheme, and I he still has instincts, but they're still growing per se, and just. I think no matter what team he goes to, rookie year, he's going to struggle a lot. I don't, think, somebody... I don't think his instincts are that bad. I mean, I personally, I think his instincts are better than Mac Wilson's. I'm not going to lie. I think they're better than Mac Wilson's. A lot of people have told me I'm an idiot for that. Fine. That's fine. I just I just don't see it from Mac Wilson. I know he's not going to declare anyway, but just Devin White, I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people think he is, like, instinct-wise. But I also think a lot of people overhype him. Like, the people... I know you like him a lot, but, like, there's some people that are touting him as, like, a top-five prospect. And I'm sorry if they don't watch Dave. They don't. I'm sorry. They don't watch Dave. Uh, he's just not a top-five prospect to me. I can't see it. It's not worth that worth that hype. And if you think he's a top-ten prospect, fine, I'll give that to you. I can understand. I can understand where you're coming from. I just don't. I just don't. Right now, I have him, like, 15 or 16. I haven't made an official big board list. I'm still developing that, but I'd imagine he's going up around there. Somebody I'd be fine with, but yeah, I just think he's going to – he's still – just the fact that instant, if the instincts are so good, they're still growing a little, still smart, but still can be a little slow reading plays. It's just he needs to grow more, in my opinion. That's why he's going to struggle rookie year yeah. regardless. Yeah, I I have a little bit of a big board coming up. Um, I think after we finish our little draft prospect series, we're going to catch up on some more prospects. And I don't know about you. I'm going to try and have a 150-guy big board done by draft draft day, and I'll share that with you guys. Um, but, I mean, other than that, I think I think some targets we, – we do need to address offensive tackle in that draft – or in this draft. We do need need to address linebacker in this draft. It's a fairly deep linebacker class. I just don't think he's very top-heavy. Um, there's just We have a lot of needs now. I think we need to address free agency. And that's another thing that we haven't really talked about with this head coaching change. Maybe with this head coaching change, Mike Brown is also going to open up his wallet a little bit. Maybe he's going to finally spend free agency. Maybe he goes out and gets a Jawan James. Maybe he goes out and gets someone who can actually make an impact. Yeah. Yeah. Jawan James is somebody who I really want and how we view prospects. That's also going to change over the course of free agency, obviously. Like last year, after we traded for Cordy Glenn, I kind of jumped off the offensive line, wasn't as heavy on it, but we still went at round one. I was a little more open to other options, but originally I'm like, we need offensive line. Yeah, I I mean, we definitely need offensive line. And that Billy Price pick, I mean – Obviously, you guys heard what I thought about it last year. Um, well, not on the podcast, but if you follow me on Twitter, I did get kicked out of B-dubs for yelling fuck um, after Ragnow got taken by the Lions a pick earlier. That was in, I forget what part of Cincinnati that was in. I was somewhere in Cincinnati. I don't remember where because I've been to a few B-dubs down there. But um, if you guys don't know, I live in Columbus, so I normally am not in Cincinnati, so I don't know the area very well. Um, but, yeah. So... When I look at when I look at our draft last year and look at our, what we should do this year, I think if we do end up 
if we do end up trading back, we don't. If we do end up getting another tackle, or I think we need to address that guard position a little more, just because they obviously don't like Westerman enough to yeah. start him. And I don't know. What do you think? Maybe, maybe I was going to talk about that. And completely forgot. Maybe, and if we do get an offensive creative mind, he doesn't hold that grudge against Westerman. From what I understand, Pollock likes yeah. Westerman too. It's more Marvin. Let's hope because that guy deserves a start. Um, yeah. Other than like that guy, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to say a lot of you probably heard, but it was right after week 16. There's kind of a little thing that Marvin basically starts writing because that's his guy. He likes him. Just kind of his own arrogant decision. Yeah, I tend to agree. But um, other than that, guys, what prospects do you want to do next week? Uh, we still need to do interior defensive line, don't we? Yes, we do. We have to do interior defensive line. We have to do edges. We have to do running backs. We have to do wide receivers. And so, guys like Ed Oliver, Quentin Williams. Uh... Jeffrey Simmons, Raekwon Davis. Yep, that sounds right. good. And then after that, we can hit some of the backer end of the top 10 guys who are still probably going to be top 50 picks because that's how deep the class is. But, I mean, yeah. It was a, we'll do defensive linemen, and then after that, I think we should probably go towards wide receivers just to kind of switch it up a little bit. I'm dreading, I'm dreading watching those wide receivers, man. I'm not looking forward to that at all. So many. There's so many of them. There's guys. I'm, I'm being honest here. There's probably twenty. There, twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three guys that you can make an argument to go like in the first three rounds. That's that's how deep this class is. It's insane. Uh, it's absolutely insane. Um, and then you have probably another 10, 15, maybe 10 or 15 running backs that you can make an argument for the first four rounds. And that's just, it's just an insanely deep class to me, especially in that tight end, defensive tackle, wide receiver, running back. And even the quarterback class sucks, yes, but there's a lot of like day two, day early day three guys. Yep, for sure. So. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Um, stay tuned for those four prospects we're going to talk about next week. Uh, happy New Year's, happy New Year's guys, and who day.